Isaiah 54. Someone has the New King James. If you can read uh, verses 1 through 10 and somebody else 11 through 17, please. New King James. Isaiah 54, 1 through 10. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Praise the Lord. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make you pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is from me, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Now, I have two Bibles in front of me, and the other one is the New Living Translation. Sometimes we can hear it in another translation, and 
certain verses can just go over our heads. So, two other people, please read the New Living Translation, 1 through 10, and then uh, 11 through 17. Let's hear the word again. I want to hear it again myself. Let's hear the word of God, New Living Translation. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful songs, O Jerusalem, you have, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. Expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will accompany other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of the widowhood. For your creator will be your husband, the Lord of heaven's armies, and his namesake. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief, as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with great compassion, I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessings will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Ostom Baddard City troubled and desolate. I will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations from lapis lazuli. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies, your gates of shining gems and your walls of precious stones. I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great peace. You will be secure under a government that is just and fear. Your enemies will stay far away. You will live in peace and terror will not come near. If any nation comes to fight you, it is not because I sent them. Whoever attacks you will go down in defeat. I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. And I have created the armies that destroy, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's talking to Jerusalem, the city of God. He's talking to the Israelites. 
And Isaiah has a lot to say about repentance, and we know right from the very first chapter, God had to change them. But God is such a merciful God. He says, I know what you've been through and why. But now I'm telling you, I will defend you. I will build you up. I will restore you. And you're going to have more children than those who normally seem to have a lot, even though you seem to be barren. I think about the 1948 miracle that God did for Israel. There are many political analysts and historians that may come and try to say, you know, they may have been very small on the map, but they had trained warriors that were funded well, and they were, they were all ready, some thousands of them. And, uh, and yet there was many, many Arab countries that surrounded them. And the odds were very much against Israel. And even poorly trained soldiers from the Arab side, they were surrounded on every side. On every side. They had Jordan, they had Saudi Arabia, they had Lebanon, they had all of these countries. Millions and millions of them. To several hundred thousand Jews, population-wise, over there. And the generals of Israel, at least some of them, at their very time in the heat of the battle, they said, there's no way. There's no way we could have not only survived, but fought off these people. But by a miracle of God, there's no way. Whatever the devil tried to say through the secular people and analysts and we know the truth because God has done it before. God has said, nations stronger than you will come. During Hezekiah's time, we've seen that. The world power at that time, Assyria, came. Hezekiah couldn't do anything except one thing, which is appeal to the God of miracles. God destroyed 185,000 troops overnight, overnight, without one human effort. And in 1948, after some two millennia, almost 1900 years, it's a miracle what happened in the barren wasteland. It's a figure of our own lives that we were barren. And even when we knew God, there were some who ventured far away into the far country. And what does God say? He said, I want you to sing. How can we sing, Lord? We know what we did. We feel estranged from you. We feel punished and we feel like you don't want us anymore. He says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. Verse 4. You will no longer remember the shame of a youth. Oh, who can, who can guarantee that? 
when I was a little boy, six-something years old, I came to the country, was in Westchester at an elementary school. And I remember because I didn't know the language, I was crying sometimes and trying to speak in my native language to the English teachers. They didn't know how to express fully and they couldn't understand me. They had, uh, I believe, a counselor, a young man. I remember he had a uh, like athletic, athletic suit on or something and took me to the swings. And he was talking to me very uh, nicely and I felt comforted. And I was thinking if a child who feels all alone in a new school, in a new country, cannot speak the language and knows he's being misunderstood and can't understand the children or the teachers, feel all of a sudden alone. Parents drop you off, aunt drops me off. And I feel like I'm in a foreign world. And that one young man was able to comfort me and I was smiling. I felt better. How many of us adults, even into adulthood, need comfort? We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to look strong and know everything and have it together. And children look up to us and people who are under authority, perhaps on the job. Only God can come and touch our hearts and make us well. Only he can comfort the hurts and the shame and disgrace that even psychologists know it's harmful to carry that burden. But who can let it go? Who can uh, free us from that? Only God. When we willfully sin against God, who can free us from that? Not only shame and disgrace because of some awkward thing that we didn't have anything to do with. There's a situation, a circumstance, and there's an attack on a person's self-esteem. As we heard Veronica pray, she echoed many people's prayers, maybe all of us. that there are points in life where we regret and we can tend to carry that. And God is saying, forget about it. Not just forget about it. He said, I'll do something for you. I will come in so you have no more shame. Hallelujah. Sing, O childless woman. You have have never given birth. Jerusalem, you are humiliated, carried in chains into Babylon. Seems like all is lost. God says, I have a calendar. I know what you did. You didn't listen to me. You went out to the far country and you did the things you shouldn't do. You had other loves. You didn't have me as your first love. And I told you that if you do that, little by little, the enemy will come in till everything's a whole mess. The whole family, your generation will be messed up. But God said, there's a duration because I love you so much. I'm going to come and visit you even where you are in captivity. Oh, thank you, God. And how do you do that? Through people like Daniel, Ezekiel, the voice of God came. In parabolic gestures, they expressed, Ezekiel did, of how the Lord would lay siege against his people. How he would Discipline them. But you know what? He said in the New Testament, He does it because He loves us. To save us. And the child that understands the reason my dad is doing this is to save me, will submit to that discipline 
Because there's love and grace at the foundation of that. A famous verse here in Isaiah 54. To the one that's desolate, the nation that's desolate, to the Christian that seems to be barren, the people who've walked away from God and we have carried shame, regret, even people are walking with God. There's another problem. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting those things are behind. I'm telling you the message of grace, Philippians. But let me tell you how I live. I don't go back and revisit my past. Hallelujah. God is done with it. He has redeemed me from that. I have a brand new hope, brand new future. I'm not looking back. God said, don't look back. I'm not looking back. Hallelujah. When God says to do that, he gives us all the grace necessary to do it. But it's a choice. And we're clear when we come to God and say, Lord, I want the word to cleanse out. Keep cleansing me. Keep cleansing me. I don't want any debris left from the old structure. It's a brand new structure now. Hallelujah. Now what does he say? The children of the desolate are more than the married woman. How is that possible? It takes a miracle. But he doesn't stop there. He says now, I want you to expand more. Enlarge the place of your tent. It's a vision God gives. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. And strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations. And make the desolate cities to inhabit. What is a desolate city? When you look and you go. I remember the shows that used to watch and actually live it in certain parts of Brooklyn and the city in the 70s graffiti was at an all time high in the 80s some of you remember on the subway cars just out of control on housing just broken down places and it took somebody with vision to say this is not how it's supposed to be someone that said I want to clean up Times Square surrounding areas God gives a vision he said the barrenness that you have don't think that's the way it's supposed to be it's not I mean for you to be fruitful to the maximum and I'm going to tell you what my vision is are you with me he said now enlarge the place of your tent I'm going to expand you and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings don't limit me Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Lord Jesus said, old wineskins, they can't handle the new wine. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. There's an expansion that only the spiritual man, the spiritual woman can contain and enjoy. The Holy Spirit has promised many things, hallelujah, for this church. We're on the verge of that explosion. It's brewing already. That's why the enemy has been attacking relentlessly, but God has been giving grace to every brother, every sister to keep on praying, and that's how we do it. Nehemiah said you have uh, one hand building the brick by brick wall of Jerusalem, but I want you to hold a sword in the other hand. Be prepared. 
case the enemy tries something. Is exactly what's happening in our church by the grace of God. Songs of praise and prayers going up night and day. There's a chain prayer and people are doing it because the Holy Ghost is working in them. And mountains are being brought down and the unseen forces of darkness that are creeping around trying to destroy God's people, they're being pushed back because when we pray like Hezekiah, spread out our petition before him, God sends angels to intervene. Hallelujah. We can't see it with our eyes, but we know it with our spiritual eyes. We can see it with our spiritual eyes. Daniel was told the prince of Persia was resisting. The angel said that. The demonic forces that are stopping me, trying to stop me, even though the answer was given, I, I was dispatched. But there are things happening, Daniel, when you're praying, and I'm here to give you insight into that. We are privileged to know all these things. How encouraged we are, motivated to know our fathers fully involved, their troops that we can't see when we pray sincerely without leaven in our lives. God can work. Hallelujah. And he can help to blow out the debris within our hearts. The stuff that should have been cleaned up. We can say, Lord, I haven't done a good job. I haven't listened, Lord. I really need your grace because now it's become too much. Too much clutter. Too much debris, Lord. I just let it sit and cobwebs everywhere. I don't know where to begin. Have you ever felt like that? You have to clean some room or some place in your house or something. It's piled up so much. You just sigh deeply. It's been neglected so long or you were sick or whatever reason. And you know, it's a big, big job. You can't do it. You need grace. All of a sudden, as you begin to work, God puts a song in your heart, gives you strength, gives you motivation, gives you that vision that, you know what? I can see this thing done. Hallelujah. And I'm going to continue. I continue to pray because I can see it done in the spirit. Because God said so. He said, I'm going to do it. So don't hold back. Pray like you never prayed before. I will turn you into that wineskin that can contain the new wine. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Thousands upon thousands and millions are going to be touched through El Bethlehem International Ministries Church. Through who? Through you. That's exactly why you're here. It's not just the hospital. It's also an army. It's a training base. Not for evil, but to spread the love and truth of God and to have the healing virtue and power in our hands. The authority that God gives to set the captives free is actually not possessed by every Christian. It's an inheritance. But we have to Fight for it by pushing away everything that will hinder that from being granted. Because God sees who's worth me giving it to. It's not an automatic thing. But scripture has thought about this also. Because we have the name of Jesus, because we have all the promises, doesn't mean automatically if I just say it, it's going to happen. But when my life is pleasing to the Lord, God will stand behind me and cause things to happen. 
And that's exactly why, precisely why, the Holy Spirit shows us the essence of how to receive genuine power and anointing from God. We've got to align every aspect of our lives under the Lordship of Jesus. My leisure time, my work time, my study time, my hobbies, my sleep, my food, my interactions. He's got to be Lord of all of it. When it happens, and it's not hard, because he's true and faithful. He's a powerful, almighty God. And he's all love. God will begin to use us mightily. God is training soldiers. It's an armory, if you will, where the weapons are being sharpened and prepared for battle. It's an army base where people are being taught how to fight the spiritual fight so that no matter what we face in life, we have the power with God that when we pray like Elijah, we know God's going to answer. Why? Because we're pleasing to him. God says, Elijah, go to the brook, go to the widow, go up there north to Mount Carmel, go all the way down to the desert area in the south. Hundreds of miles. He just was told to go here, there, everywhere. You don't find one instance Elijah saying, Lord, do I really have to go south? I just came from there, or I just came from east over here. What's going on, Lord? I mean, can we have a plan here where I know ahead of time? No, that's not how it works. What we can know ahead of time is God is faithful. He's perfect. And if we just obey him, we'll be prosperous. That's all we need to know. No wonder Elijah had power with God. He believed God. He trusted him. When God speaks to you through various means, if you and I just do what he says to us, we're going to find grace flowing in the transformation of our containers to be able to receive the anointing of God. People are after the anointing. There's a lot of talk about that. The devil's after it too. Not for himself. He wants to take it away from people and he wants to abort whatever God is wanting to do. We have to be wise and say, I'm not I'm not going to let this, I'm, I won't disobey God. I refuse to disobey God. I will disobey the impulses of the flesh and the devil, but not God. God is, has called us to be great in the kingdom of God. He told Daniel, he said, many will shine as the stars of the firmament. The wise people. Who will do what? They'll be interested in soul winning. They'll be interested in being right themselves and then going out and expanding God's kingdom. You will no longer remember the shame of the youth. There's a complete transfer and reversal where the burden and the guilt and the shame is carried. God says, I'm going to clear out all of that clutter from the enemy. Make you fit. Arise, shine, for your light is come. I want to use you. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. Verse 8. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. 
I can't tell you how many times over the years since I was a teenager. Reading words like these, of God's love and the Psalms and the Gospels and the Epistles, was the only time and only place I could ever forgive myself for having not done what I should have or done what I shouldn't have. Carrying that guilt and shame that the Lord loved me so much. He gave me such a rich heritage. Access to spiritual resources to grow. And I haven't made use of everything. And there's a regret. But when I come back and see that the Lord was watching and he wasn't happy and he was even angry at some times, some of the time. When we're willfully rebellious, he's holy, he's God. He pours out everything and we can't just waste and expect him to be still like a robot. He has feelings, he's God Almighty, he's loved us. But I read in spite of all of that happening, he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. What does this mean? Well, he said through Ezekiel and Jeremiah that no longer will they tell everybody, learn the ways of the Lord, the law of the Lord, but I will write them right on their hearts. I write my laws right on their hearts. We've come into that. If we're coming to the new, we should not be sin conscious and keep looking back and feeling the old way. Because he says, for the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. O storm-battered city, troubled and desolate, I will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations from lapis lazuli. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies. You mean, it's not just the best material, Lord, brick and mortar and whatever I can find, the Jerusalem Home Depot, the best I can find, Lowe's of Judea. But notice the material he wants to use. What an expression of love. You know, when people give jewelry, the recipients are supposed to feel like, wow, they really value me highly. Why? Because the value of the gift is supposed to reflect in some measure the value of the recipient. Not always, but typically when they think about jewelry, genuine jewelry, we know it's expensive. Look at how much God values you, brother, sister, me. All of us. He loves us so much. He said, I'm going to deck you out with the best. Exactly what he does with the New Jerusalem also. Revelation. God is, he is so generous. He's the royal king of kings and lord of lords. He says, you're my children. I'm going to give you the best of the best. I'm going to clothe you with my beauty, my righteousness, my garments of salvation. Everybody's going to know who you belong to. By the spiritual clothing. And the beauty I have bestowed upon you. O storm-battered city. 
In New King James it says, Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and all your walls of precious stones. Wherever you are, whatever apartment, house, wherever you are now, the presence of the Almighty God and the word and the promise of God to do this for you has given you beauty, has given us beauty. He has made Jerusalem a praise, a beautiful, exalted treasure in the earth. So everybody will know what God has done for Jerusalem. Yes, it was ravaged and desolate, destroyed. God says, I'm coming back because I haven't forgotten about you. Hallelujah. God has forgotten about us. He's brought us back to himself. And he says, now we're going to go all the way. I'm going to pour out my glory. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Think of it that way, brothers and sisters, as we close, that you are beautiful, beautified by God. And God has a beautiful future for you. And he's expanding your borders. You're a part of a movement by the Holy Spirit now all over the globe. In these last days, there's an outpouring. And God says, believe what I tell you. Don't think the old way. I'm going to bring it to pass. You're going to see. You are going to see with your own eyes. How I'm going to bless you and expand you and lift you up, provide for you, prosper you, make you a people with prudence, with wisdom, to win souls in these last days and to satisfy my heart. And all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. People are worried about children all the time. How are they going to grow up in this world? If it's going to be like this now with COVID, what's going to happen next their generation? God says, I will give them peace. Don't worry. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. You shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. How can terror come to us? It can be all over the world. But if God is in your house, it can't come there. It cannot. The only way terror can come into the house of God's people is if we open the door for terror. When God is there, we do what we're supposed to do. We'll have something called perfect peace, not just any old peace. Perfect peace in my house. How do you cultivate that? You go to your kitchen, you go to your dining table, you go to your room, your bedroom, you go to your backyard or your front porch. How do you carry peace with you to the driveway? Practically speaking, because certain rooms and certain places and certain activities can bring memories or bring frustration or bring feelings like I'm now in a mechanical mode. I have work to do and peace just goes out. I carry God's promise with me. You'll be blessed in your going out and in your coming in. Perfect peace as he whose mind is dwelled on you. Which means on his word, his promise. These are promises God has given here in Isaiah 54. You'll be established in righteousness. There'll be no terror. You'll be far from oppression. Indeed, people will come against you, Jerusalem. The Six-Day War, 1973, Yom Kippur. 1948. 
the Assyrian invasion, almost invasion with Hezekiah. God said there will be people coming certain times. Certain times God himself will invite people. But he said, when you're doing well and you're following me, Satan will come for an occasion. So God, watch what I'm going to do. Everything's well now, like with Job. Uh, there's peace. But watch how they're going to turn on you and be fearful cowards when I send an enemy. God says, they'll surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you, just like he says in other verses, touch the apple of my eye. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I've created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I've created the spoiler to destroy. I'm telling you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Who's the first person? Who's the mastermind behind every accusation? Against God's holy people, Satan, Satan, the devil, the red dragon. God says whatever he forges, he can work in his factory all day long and build the worst weapon he can come up with. God said, I'll turn it right around against him like a boomerang. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, I'm giving it to them, says the Lord. How gracious is the Lord. How good is the Lord. Blessed be the rock. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Oh, Lord, I thank you that we can carry this with us to bed tonight, Lord. To meditate of how much you love us, Lord. You said with an everlasting love, I've I've become upset with you for a season because you didn't do what I said. And furthermore, you invited the devil into your home. You did. Jerusalem, you invited the devil into my holy city, into my temple. You did a lot of things and you repeatedly did it. Your children are doing opposite to what my will is. I'm upset. But not forever. Because I'm tender and compassionate. I love you. I'm going to change everything. Believe my word. I'm going to beautify you with the best, precious stones you can ever think of. Imagine. That's how much I love you. And I not only want you to know I love you. I'm going to let everybody know how much I love you, including your enemies. The presence of your enemies, I'll prepare a table. I'll anoint you with my blessing, which will overflow. Oh, hallelujah. That's the truth. That's the truth. The miracle-working God will turn away the invading armies. Destroy our enemy right before our faces. Hallelujah. And give us victory after victory until Jesus comes. And he'll say, you have occupied, like I told you. You've multiplied, like I told you. You'll be glorified, just like I told you. Come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. How great is your love. Thank you, Jesus. 